It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. I'm calling this program Quick Responses to the 10 Most Common Criticisms of Latter-day Saints Asked by or Posed by Mr. Eric Johnson who, if you don't know of him, is Latter-day Saint critic and has been so for over 25 years and even has a daily radio show directed to that purpose. If you're a Latter-day Saint, if you're at work or on the Internet or answering emails, you've probably had your faith challenged, and it may have been because you've seen something that he has written or that somebody else who's a critic of the LDS Church has written. So what I'm going to do today is sort of a flip side of a list of questions that Eric Johnson posed, and I'm going to respond to them. And again, this is just a short list. He has many, many other criticisms, and I would have many, many other responses. His first comment is, isn't it unchristian? to question someone else's claim to Christianity. I don't believe that to be the case. I think people are free to question whatever they want to question. He also says, didn't Joseph Smith do this very thing when he claimed that God told him that the churches were all wrong and that their creeds were an abomination and that their professors were all corrupt? Well, the answer to that is that Joseph Smith didn't do that. Jesus did that. And he didn't criticize the Christians themselves. He criticized the creeds because they were misleading the Christians. The whole idea of calling into question false teachings is something that Jesus did a lot. And the New Testament also suggests that we should do that Jude chapter 3 tells us to contend for the Christian faith, which has been entrusted to God's holy people. That's, Mr. Johnson, what you do. That's what I'm doing here. That's what Latter-day Saint missionaries do. We may have different points of view about what all that means, but that's one of our duties as Christians, is to educate others about the true Christian faith. Mr. Johnson also says, didn't Brigham Young also do that very thing when he questioned people's Christianity uh, by saying that you should, when asked why Latter-day Saints were different from other Christians, Brigham Young responded that they're not Christians. Other denominations aren't Christians as the New Testament defines Christianity. And he references Journal of Discourses, Volume 10, Uh, page 230. Well, Brigham Young was right. Almost all Christian denominations now 
do differ from New Testament Christianity. Notice Brigham Young didn't say they were not Christians. He was questioning the accuracy of their beliefs. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to understand at least just a few of the things in passing that Brigham Young was talking about. For example, Mr. Johnson, you believe in the Trinitarian concept of God. In the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, that creed was proposed as the way Christians ought to believe to be Christians. And there were objections posed by leading theologians of the day. I have the full 36-volume set of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, and I've read many, many, many times the actual notes that we have from those who were present in 325 AD. And one of the chief criticisms was, this has a concept in it, the very crux of what we now call the Trinitarian concept of God, a concept that's not biblical, which is that, in the Greek, homoousios, of one undivided substance, the idea that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost are of one undivided substance, it's not biblical. So Christians who believe in the Trinitarian concept are believing in an unbiblical doctrine that is not found there. Now, you can be a Christian and be Trinitarian, of course, but as Brigham Young pointed out, you are believing in doctrines that are not New Testament Christianity doctrines, and that's fine. He goes on to say, the Book of Mormon claims that my church, whatever his church is, is the church of the devil, and he cites First Nephi chapter 14, verse 10. Well, that's a misreading of First Nephi 14.10. 14.10 is a metaphor for the two sides of religion. It describes only two churches, the church of the Lamb of God and the church of the devil. And the gist of it is that if you do right and follow Jesus, you're part of the church of the Lamb of God, of Jesus' church. You're a Christian, which, incidentally, you don't seem to think Latter-day Saints are. But Latter-day Saints would believe you are a Christian. Those who profess to be Christians but do not live by the teachings of Christ don't seem to be genuine Christians and are the church of the devil described by First Nephi chapter 14, verse 10. This, again, is not a matter of a denomination. It is a matter of belief and living according to the precepts of Jesus Christ. There are probably some who are in whatever denomination you are in who aren't Christian. There are probably most, many, maybe even all who are. He also goes on and t- talks about Latter-day Saint missionaries and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm not sure quite where he's headed with that, but the point is that he contends for his faith, we contend for Christianity as well. Now, I'm not sure what motivates his heart. 
he seems to think that people accuse him of being hateful because he criticizes the LDS church. I have no reason to doubt his word. Others may do that. I would choose not to. I know of many LDS critics who have been motivated by hate. I have debated many of them on the radio, on college campuses, and on TV even a few times. And I have felt their hate right then and there when I was talking with them. And I sincerely hope that Mr. Johnson is not one of them. He next says that we Christians, meaning whatever denomination or group he's part of, presumably evangelical Christians, are something that's important and should be... Basically, he's saying that he's being criticized for targeting Latter-day Saints and that Latter-day Saints apparently tell him he should be doing something positive rather than attacking our faith. And he responds, what he's doing is evangelism. And you know what? He's right. That's fine. Uh, By the same token, if somebody criticizes him in the first vision, he ought to think, wow, Joseph Smith's discussion or the first vision, his recitation of it, and Jesus' criticism of creeds, that's evangelizing. That is trying to get people to come to the truth. So Brigham Young and Joseph Smith, and of course Jesus, are doing something that's positive, just like Mr. Johnson believes he is doing, and just like Latter-day Saint missionaries believe they are doing. It's one of the fundamental beliefs of most all Christian faiths to try to preach the gospel and help convert people to the truth and pointing out errors in their belief systems like the Trinitarian concept of God, the idea that there will be no more scriptures, that the Bible says there will be no more prophets, and so on and so forth. Uh, More about that on the other side of this break. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Today's program, if you have questions or comments about it, um, Feel, feel free to send me an email. Send it to martinstanner at gmail.com, martinstanner at gmail.com. Today's program is directed at responding to criticisms of the LDS Church by Mr. Eric Johnson, or perhaps Pastor Eric Johnson. I don't know what he prefers to go by, but he has a daily radio show that is devoted to questioning the faith and accuracy of the LDS Church. Now, one of the things I should point out here that he does that neither Joseph Smith nor Brigham Young nor Jesus in the first vision did is to specifically target one faith, to carve out one faith, one faith alone to direct your criticisms towards. I'm not really sure of too many others who do that. I'm sure there must be some, but that's not what Latter-day Saint missionaries do. They will talk to anyone who's interested in listening. 
And that's not what I do. I talk to all kinds of people from all kinds of denominations and no denominations at all about the Latter-day Saint faith. And I have had debates and discussions with people from many, many, many different faiths and backgrounds and belief systems. And I enjoy all of those as long as they're done in a respectful manner. So I suppose that one of the things that may be happening to you, Mr. Johnson, is that people are curious about why you would spend your life attacking or criticizing just one specific denomination. I don't know. Maybe it's a matter of specializing. Perhaps perhaps that's it. Uh, he also says, Mr. Johnson does, that what could possibly be more positive than to encourage people to correctly interpret the Bible? And he quotes Acts chapter 19, verse 8, that Paul spoke in the synagogues at Ephesus for three months, persuading people and disputing with false doctrines and talking to them about the kingdom of God. I agree wholeheartedly. That's what I'm doing today. I'm trying to point out some of the errors, and I'm trying to dispute with some of the fallacies, misconceptions, and errors that I think you're bringing to the table. I've mentioned the Trinitarian concept of God. If you think it's there, where is it? Where is it? There have been biblical scholars, Catholics, and Protestants for hundreds of years that have acknowledged that the Trinitarian concept is not in the Bible. He asked for, he, Mr. Johnson, also asked for other errors in the Bible. Well, I can mention an error in interpretation, which is the evangelical idea that only those who believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior and nothing else will be saved in the kingdom of God. Uh, Restated another way, if you merely say and believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are saved in the kingdom of God. Nothing else is required. That would contradict Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, which says that no unclean person or coveter or idolater has any place in the kingdom of God and Christ. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says it even more directly. Quote, says Paul, don't you know that the unrighteous do not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, close quote. Paul knew that it's not enough to just believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You have to be righteous. According to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, according to the New Testament Bible, which you believe. He goes on and talks a little bit about People asking him which church he belongs to, and honestly, that doesn't matter to me either. He apparently has people from the LDS faith say, why are you after us? Our church must be true or must be teaching good things because it's growing faster than any other church in the world. Well, he then kind of sidesteps the comment that he himself posts and says, Numbers never determine truth. Well, I know a lot of math professors who would disagree with that. I think Albert Einstein would disagree with that. Uh, numbers are facts if, if they are used properly. And 
The fact is that the LDS Church is growing quickly. I don't think any Latter-day Saint has ever said that there are more Latter-day Saints than Muslims or than Catholics. And so the idea that they're more professing Muslims when Islam started in the 7th century and has had many, many more uh, hundreds of, of years to growth in Latter-day Saint faith, that, that should not be a surprise to anyone. Latter-day Saint Church is growing very quickly. It's grown from six in 1830 to over 16 million. To put that in perspective, there are now more Latter-day Saints than there are Southern Baptists, and there are more Latter-day Saints than there are Jews. But on this, I will agree with you. The point is not numbers. The point is that thinking Christians often join the Latter-day Saint faith, and it's not because they are deceived. If someone wants to be part of another Christian denomination, may God bless them. I find that wonderful. I think Christianity is the most wonderful and noble denomination in the world, and I like that very much, that there are many Christians and that it is, as a whole, the largest faith on the planet. One of the other comments that he makes, which just surprises me, is apparently people say, have you ever read the Book of Mormon and prayed about it? And his response is, well, where in the Bible does it say to pray about the Book of Mormon? What? (laughs) Or in the Bible does it say to pray about your church or about the Catholic Church or about any church? Where in the Bible does it say to pray about lots of things that we find today uh, that weren't around at the time the contents of the Bible were written? That's just such a bizarre response. He also goes on to say that we're to test things, and he kind of leaves you with this idea that praying about the Book of Mormon is not a good idea. This is the first time I've ever heard a Christian suggest that someone shouldn't pray about a religious question. Uh, Why would that be? Are you afraid somebody's not going to get the answer that you like? I don't understand that point of view, Mr. Johnson. If it's just so obvious and God will answer prayers then you shouldn't be afraid that anybody would pray and ask about the truth of the Book of Mormon. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 9, that he prays unceasingly for those who are searching about the truth of Christianity and those to whom he was preaching. And he also goes on in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, saying that he prays for those whom he preaches to, that they'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will for their spiritual wisdom and understanding. And this is exactly what Latter-day Saints are suggesting people should do with respect to the Book of Mormon. If it's good enough for the Apostle Paul, it is certainly good enough for me. And one final comment, I don't have time to talk about all of his comments. He says, don't you believe there could be prophets today? I guess this is a question that people ask him. And he says, yeah, there's a living prophet. His name's Jesus. Well, sure, but there are other prophets as well in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty nine. Paul describes how prophets who are in the Christian church after the original 12 and Jesus 
were to speak in the Christian community. Some of these prophets are even named Judas Silas in Acts chapter 15, verse 32, and Agabus in Acts 21.10. Revelation chapter 11 describes prophets in the last days in verses 3, 6, and 10. They are specifically called prophets, and it is specifically said that they will come in the last days days. Well, we're out of time. Maybe I can pick this up some other time, but I hope this is at least a short response to some of the unfounded criticisms of the LDS Church. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.